In this sermon, we discover five aspects of how the Lord Jesus trains his disciples. Greetings, church family. Thank you. To all. Welcome to all of you who are tuning in via our live stream, joining us for this wonderful time of praise and worship and time in God's Word. Uh, you know, although this is a different format and uh, we're using technology to come in, you know, God is omnipresent and He is with you right where you are, wherever you're watching us, whether it's in your living room or maybe you're on the road somewhere or maybe you're in a restaurant, wherever you are, God is with you and uh, He is uh, right there to minister to you. And uh, even though we are not in the same location, uh, worshiping God, uh, we worship God in spirit and in truth. And so in that sense, we are all one together as we join our hearts in worship, as we join our hearts in prayer, and uh, as we uh, listen to the Word of God and take time to pray and minister. Uh, for some of you, you uh, may be familiar with uh, joining a service a live stream. For some others, uh, this may be your first time. Welcome. There's a first time to everything. And, uh, you know, drop a comment on the live chat. Uh, just tell us where you're watching from or... Uh, 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 you know, how this is uh, ministering to you. So feel free to do that. Leave some, uh, um, tell us what, what you're doing, where you're watching us from. Also drop your comments. Uh, you're welcome to comment uh, towards uh, this whole experience. Uh, you're welcome to do that. And also don't, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. So if you, if this is your first time ever, uh, you know, coming onto our YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to it. A lot of free resources. Uh, and every day, there's a daily devotional that's released uh, on our channel, uh, and that'll uh, keep you informed. And several uh, sermons, all our Sunday sermons are available, uh, our key points and daily devotions. So make use of it. Subscribe to the channel if you'd like. Now, uh, before we just go forward, you know, uh, into the rest of the, uh, the time in the Word of God, you know, sometimes people may have a question. They say, you know, Pastor, uh, you talk about faith, and you talk about healing, you talk about uh, believing God, and then why are you doing all this? You know, why did you cancel the Sunday services? Uh, why are you telling us, you know, to stay home and all of that? I mean, uh, sometimes we're not able to reconcile uh, our faith in God and faith in healing and miracles and then uh, these kind of steps that we take. Uh, so I just want to, you know, address that very, very briefly. I uh, just mentioned two things. You know, first of all, uh, walking by faith does not mean uh, we don't walk with wisdom and responsibility, right? Uh, so, of course, we have faith in God. Of course, God is our healer. God is miracle worker. But God has also given us a mind. He's given us intelligence. He's given us wisdom. Uh, he's given us a sense of responsibility. For instance, you know, we believe God as our healer, but we also know we have a responsibility to take care of our own physical bodies. Uh, you know, that means we watch our diet, we exercise, we give our body rest and so on. So that's our side where on the other side, we also know God is healer and God is miracle worker. And we have to, you know, reconcile the two. We've got to walk uh, with both. So there is faith, but there is also wisdom and responsibility. And so our uh, um, precautionary measures of uh, canceling our large gatherings, uh, and just encouraging people to you know, receive the service at home uh, is more of us just being responsible uh, towards our community and towards what, what, what is happening globally. Uh, secondly, I just also want to, you know, when we talk about faith, we talk about spiritual growth, uh, another important thing to keep in mind is that, you know, just like in a, in a, in a normal household, uh, there are people uh, who are at different stages of growth. You know, you could have little, you could have infants, you can have uh, 
toddlers, you could have uh, teenagers, you could have young adults, and of course there are parents, uh, and they could be elders as well. Now, we don't expect of infants uh, what you know, a, a young adult or an adult would uh, be expected to do, the responsibility they would be able to carry. Uh, similarly, in a, church, in a church setting, in the household of faith, uh, there are people at different levels of spiritual growth and maturity, and we need to be mindful of that. We can't expect you know, uh, people who are young in their faith to do the same thing as somebody who is uh, older in their faith. I mean, we tell people you know, who are strong in the faith, believe God for your protection and, and you will be safe. We may not be able to ex expect that from uh, infants. And so you know, we need to uh, understand that dynamic in the household of faith. Uh, and uh, so these are two reasons for us, you know, to, uh, to take these precautionary measures. Now, you know, as part of what's happening globally and, and nationally as well, uh, we know, uh, you know, various state governments are, uh, are taking measures to prevent the spread of the coronavirus across uh, their uh, communities. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people are encouraged to work from home, telecommute, uh, self-quarantine, self-isolate, and all of these things. And uh, there could be repercussions on that, and especially there could be psychological effects of that. Uh, you know, typical things that people have uh, been talking about are loneliness and depression uh, because you're cut off from your normal uh, relationships. And there is social distancing that's uh, being uh, encouraged or in some, sometimes enforced. Uh, but as a church, we want you to know that we are here. Uh, to support you to, through this time. Uh, if you need help, you can call our 800 number. That's, that'll be put up there for you. Uh, you call our 800 number. That's a chrysalis counseling number if you need help. Uh, there'll be people to talk to you, counsel you. Uh, if you need uh, any, any, any other kind of help, you can email membercare at apcw.org. Our membercare team will be there to help you and support you uh, through this time. Uh, and we just want to encourage you to stay strong, uh, stay encouraged during this season. You know, this season will pass. We know that. But while we are going through it, we want to tell you to stay strong, stay encouraged. Uh, and even though, you know, you may have to isolate yourself and not interact with too many people and all those kinds of things, uh, you know, make use of this time. Uh, there are plenty of resources available. You could uh, download our church app and listen to a lot of sermons or just go to our church website, uh, apcw.org, and listen to the sermons. Fill yourself with the word. Keep yourself strong in faith. There are a lot of different series that we've done over the years uh, that will encourage you uh, and build you up. So make use of that. And also go, you know, read our publications. Go to apcw.org publications. All these resources are free. We're not charging anything for it. So if you've got a lot of time by yourself, hey, it's a great opportunity to build yourself up in the faith, make yourself strong. So take advantage of all of that. Now, if you would like, like to give online, you can do that as well. You can go to our church website, apcw.org slash give, and there's information there if you want to give. So we're going to make our declaration. Uh, if you're in your living room and if you're in a place where you can stand, I want you to do that. Just stand to your feet. Get your Bible uh, in your hand. Hold it high up like you would do in any church service. And we're going to make our declaration. I'm going to say this out, and I want you to say it out loud in your living room or wherever you are watching. Uh, just say this out loud, bold, and strong. So let's lift up our Bibles. Let's say this together. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. 
I'm a minister of God. A servant of Christ. And a channel of His blessing. To many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. I present myself as a new wineskin to receive new wine and fresh oil being poured out on me. God releases new things and a new work of His Spirit in me and through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you were standing uh, and we are going to, you know, get into God's word today. Uh, you know, like what we, what we really like to do at the, uh, the beginning of each service before we get into God's word is share some testimonies. Uh, and we've got a few testimonies that we like to share with you uh, that came in this, in this past week. Um, here's a testimony that came in. And all these came in by email. So, you know, we have all of these documented. I'll try to just uh, very uh, uh, briefly share this, these testimonies. Uh, this one came in on March the 7th. Um, uh, this lady writes, she says, I've been battling fear and anxiety from my childhood, uh, different degrees, and at times I've had mild panic attacks. Uh, the funny part was I didn't even know it. A week before you started the series, God opened my eyes to those areas and started the process of healing. Uh, but till a week back, I had to still battle with those thoughts. But now that the enemy is exposed and I know how to combat the enemy, I know I am delivered from it. Four weeks of these messages were so timely and of great help. Uh, your old series about uh, renewing the mind and meditating on the word was always my favorite, favorite, but I never practiced it. But this time I went out, bought a new Bible, highlighted the verses to combat fear, worry, and anxiety. Every morning and night I have been spending time on it like eating a meal. I didn't have an instant miracle, but I have had a progressive healing. And she mentions, you know, my husband has been overseas for about two months for work. And with all the coronavirus issues, it is a miracle that I have walked in complete faith and no fear. In, in times past, many a times I used to go through mild panic attacks and couldn't sleep when my husband took a flight because of fear. But now to be in a place of complete rest is God's work in me. Hallelujah. You know, that's wonderful to hear that, that what God has done in this person's life to bring her to this place uh, of total faith and rest in God. Here's another email. This came from a person in Kampala, Uganda. And uh, uh, he's been, you know, uh, tracking with us, listening to our sermons online. And this young man writes, he says, I would like to thank you for the good work God is uh, using you to do when reaching people of India and the world at large, including me. I've been following most of the messages uh, that pop in my email. The one that helped me most was uh, uh, the one you shared a few weeks ago dealing with depression. I've been in that state since the Chinese went into holiday and the outbreak of coronavirus. Most of the raw materials we use comes from China. Our business has been slow, but I want to thank you for that message because he who is in me is better than the one in the world. And I believe I will overcome. I'm even looking forward to other options, raw materials. God bless you uh, more and more. So, you know, those messages. Bless this young business owner. 
out there in Kampala, Uganda, you know, uh, uh, of course, business has been affected. But thank God we can stay encouraged. And not only that, we believe that God will have his way to bring provision into our lives. And we believe and release God's provision uh, for this young man in Kampala, Uganda, that God will provide for him. Here's another testimony that came in. Uh, this is the healing of an irregular heartbeat. Uh, now, uh, this, this is a very long email and a lot of medical details. I won't uh, get into all those details. Uh, but this man, uh, he, he, he shares his testimony uh, that uh, about uh, sometime back in October of last year, uh, his, his cardiologist uh, uh, diagnosed him with irregular heartbeat. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did all the tests, so they put him on medications. Uh, but then uh, he, he talks about, uh, this was in ABC North service. Uh, there was, uh, during the healing service, uh, he believed he received his healing. Later on, he goes, he went back to his cardiologist and uh, all check up everything. Cardiologist says everything is perfectly fine, took him off the medication. So thank God. Amen. So God is a good God. He is doing wonderful things. And uh, uh, after, towards the end of this message this morning, as we spend time in God's so we want to pray. Uh, and I believe that as we join our hearts together, regardless of where we are, where we are in the city or across the nation or across the world, as you're tuned in, that God will heal, that God will deliver, God will work miracles uh, right where you are. So I want you to stay encouraged and uh, and I expect it that today, as we get to the time of prayer, towards the close of this message, God will meet you right where you are. Talking about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, just to quickly review uh, we, we, uh, a few things that we mentioned in our uh, message last Sunday. Uh, we, we said that we should, as, believer, as believers, move in to becoming disciples of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, that the Jesus has called us not just to be our believers, but he's called us to be his disciples. And uh, becoming a disciple is, is enrolling into a, a process uh, by which uh, the Lord, through his training, will take us and help us be his disciples. And what does it really mean to be a disciple? A disciple is an imitator of his teacher. He's committed to becoming like his teacher. So you and I are called to be disciples. We're called to grow up into becoming like our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not a matter of, you know, I just believe in Jesus. I go to church. That's not what God, what he has called us to do. He's called us to be his disciples. That means our lives are being transformed to become like him. And uh, we are committed to this process. Um, Jesus said it is enough. It is sufficient for a disciple that he be like his teacher. We also mentioned last Sunday that this is the Father's plan, that this is what he had intended even before the ages, that those who believe in Jesus Christ will, will, will become like him, will grow into being like him. We also talked about what discipleship is not. We mentioned some things like discipleship is not about following a, a set of do's and a set of rules or do's and don'ts. Uh, discipleship is uh, not a selective adherence. Uh, that means, you know, we don't just pick and choose what we want to do uh, and leave some things out. No, it's a complete, 100% uh, commitment to Jesus Christ and what he's told us to do. Uh, discipleship is not a retainership program by the local church just to keep hold on the people. That's not it. Uh, the church is here to help you in your journey of discipleship, in you being transformed into becoming like Jesus Christ. We also talked about 
overcoming practical challenges, things that would hinder us uh, in our journey of discipleship. And then we gave an overview of uh, things that Jesus said concerning his disciples. And that's when we closed the message last Sunday. Today we want to pick up from there. And we want to talk about the process, the process of discipleship. Uh, you know, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, we'll read these verses. Uh, they should be coming up on your screen so you can watch it. Or if you'd like to, you can also turn in, our, turn in your Bibles uh, and read it uh, from there. And, you know, we must embrace Jesus as teacher and master. It is interesting to see the, the language that Jesus used when he talked about how a disciple would relate to him and he to his disciples. Notice in Matthew 10, 24 and 25, he said a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. He's used the words teacher and master. Then in John the 13th chapter, verses 13 to 14, Jesus once again said, you call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Once again, notice the terms he uses, teacher and Lord or master. So teacher, of course, has to do with somebody who would instruct, who would teach. Uh, but master is really interesting there in the Greek. It simply means somebody with supreme authority, somebody who, supreme, who is supreme in authority. So Jesus is saying, for a disciple... He is teacher and master. So a disciple is not only somebody who embraces Jesus as teacher. That means, I like what you teach. I like what you say. But a disciple is also somebody who embraces Jesus as master, as somebody who is supreme in authority in their lives. You know, this is where many of us miss it. Many of us like the teachings of Jesus. You know, we like what he said. We like, uh, you know, all the wonderful things he said. And we like to listen. But to be a disciple, you've got to be more than a listener. You've got to come in submission to Jesus as your master because he is both teacher and master. I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, you know, in your life, as you want to journey into being a disciple of Jesus, you've got to let Jesus be your teacher and your master, the one who is supreme in authority. Remember this, that, you know, Jesus said, uh, you cannot serve two masters. So if Jesus is your master, then he's also your only master. You can't serve two masters because then you are divided uh, in your submission. But Jesus expects to be the one who is supreme in authority in your life. Now, I want to bring attention to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 40 about being perfectly trained. Look at this verse very carefully with me. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So he's saying, look, a disciple is not greater than his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Now that's who a disciple is. A disciple is on this transformative journey of becoming like his teacher and master. You and I, as disciples of Jesus, we are on this journey. Lord, transform us to become like you. But Jesus is saying, everyone, that means you, it includes you, 
It includes all of us, everyone who is perfectly trained. So there is a training process. Uh, there is a process by, that he takes us through. And he says, if anyone can step into this, and everyone who goes through this process will come out being like his teacher, like his master. And that's what we want to talk about on the message today as we study the Word of God, about understanding this training process. You know, the word perfectly trained uh, simply means to render fit, to complete. Uh, it, it has the idea of, uh, of putting things in proper arrangement, uh, uh, of making progress, of, of journeying forward on the path of progress. Uh, it talks about relationship between character and destiny, that who you are is important uh, to get to where you want to get to. So these are connected. You know, you say, I want to get, get to some place. Well, who you are will determine if you can get there. Character and destiny. And so God is working on us in order to get us to become like Jesus, to bring us to that place. That's our destination. So we need to be perfectly trained. And a disciple is perfectly, thoroughly trained. Then they will be like their master. So what I want to do is try to capture for us uh, the training process that Jesus talked about in the Gospels. So what did Jesus say any person must go through in order to become like him? And I, can, uh, and I want to summarize this for us in these five statements. So if you like to call it, you could call this the, uh, the discipleship process or the training process any person would go through in order to become like Jesus. He said, if you're perfectly trained, you will be like him. So let's outline this training process in these five statements, and then we will expand on that uh, in the message today. Number one, there is the training in his presence. Number two, there is the training of his word. Number three, there is a training of his spirit. Number four, there is training through fellowship. And number five, there is a training of the cross. Jesus spoke about each one of these things and how they impact the life of any individual to transform that person into becoming like of a master. And in our journey as disciples of Christ, we yield to this training process and to these five aspects of the training process so that we could be changed and become like Jesus. You know, I can't hear you say amen, but please say an amen right where you are if you agree to what I am preaching. Uh, God will hear that. God will hear your amen, uh, even though I may not be able to hear it uh, right here from where we are streaming to you. So let's talk about these five things. Number one, training in his presence. In Mark chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, here's what we find. It says here that he, that is Jesus, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So this is in reference to the 12 apostles whom we also are referred to as the 12 disciples. So these were the 12 people uh, Jesus was, you know, literally working with. And they were his disciples. Their destination was, you've got to be like your teacher and master. But what was the first thing he wanted them to do? It says he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That was their first responsibility. So you can imagine if you want to uh, do it like this, you know, Jesus must have got these 12 guys and he said, hey guys, all I want you to do is just hang out with me. 
Just be with me. Go where I go. See me in what I'm seeing. Listen to everything I'm saying. Uh, you know, just, just stick around with me. That's it. Be with me. And that is the first thing he brings into their lives in order to transform them as his disciples uh, and he being their teacher and master. So that's the first thing in our training process. The training of his presence. Just learning to be with Jesus. Now, you know, you and I understand, obviously, Jesus is not with us physically, but we are, you know, can be in his presence spiritually. When you and I spend time in prayer, when you and I spend time in, in, in reading his word, in worship, all these expressions are what we call as disciplines of a disciple are really you and me being with him, being in his presence. You know, and Jesus set the example himself. Many times he took, you know, he went away from the crowds just to be alone with his father. He was spending time with his heavenly father. And the, the thing that he placed before his disciples saying, says, you just be with me. And today you and I as his disciples do the same thing. We make time to be with him. About these apostles, you know, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, we read this very interesting statement. It says, uh, you know, when Peter and John, they were apprehended uh, by the rulers, uh, by the scribes, by the religious leaders, the high priest, and uh, they were apprehended, they were brought before them. It says in Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So you can imagine, here are the, you know, the high people of society, they brought Peter and John, the two disciples of Jesus, uh, and they're cross-examining them and so on, and they say, Guy, these guys are uneducated, unlearned, they're ignorant, but how come they are so bold about their faith? How come they are so confident in what they believe? How could they have this kind of, you know, dynamic to their faith? This is not an ordinary faith. Where did they get that from? And they came to one conclusion. Hey, these men had been with that man. These men had been with Jesus. I like how the Passion Translation renders this latter part of that verse. It says, Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with Him. Now that's really nice. The effect Jesus had on them. Jesus has an effect on you when you spend time with Him. And that's the part, the first part of our training in our discipleship process. Just being with Him and He's going to effect change in our lives. He's going to effect transformation in our lives. You know, Jesus said the disciple is not greater than the master, uh, which means the disciple has to walk the same walk Jesus walked. That means you've got to journey with Him. You've got to stick with Him. Uh, you've got to you know, take time to be with Him. Uh, there are no shortcuts for the disciple. This is a requirement of being with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just make this statement here. You know, uh, uh, there is, you know the, the enemy does not want us to be with Jesus. He knows that will make us dangerous. The way Peter and John were, they were so bold. The enemy will try to do anything to hit right up this one very important power souls in our lives, if you will, that being with Jesus. You know, think about Judas Iscariot. He was one of the twelve. I mean, he had this wonderful opportunity to be with Jesus three years. 
I mean, if you were with Jesus physically for three years, would you have done what Judas did? Can you imagine this man Judas, after having been with Jesus, at the end of it, was willing to betray Jesus for what? For 30 pieces of silver. Somehow he was deceived. Somehow he sold this wonderful being with Jesus, relationship with Jesus for just 30 pieces of silver. You know, the apostle Paul, in his very last letter that he wrote, in the last chapter of his final letter, and he was going to be hung, he was going to be killed shortly after that. And I'm talking about 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. In that chapter, there is a tinge of sadness in what he's writing because he mentions, he says, Demas, one of his fellow workers, whom he had referred uh, to in, a, in, a, in an earlier episode, he says, Demas, one of his own fellow workers, Demas has forsaken me. For what reason? He says, having loved this present world and he has departed. Can you imagine Apostle Paul in his final letter, in his closing paragraph, there is this sad note that he says, you know, one of my fellow workers, he's left me, he's gone away, and he's because he loves this present world, he's just departed. You know, you and I are living in a time when there are deceiving spirits, seducing spirits. And Paul wrote about this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, men will depart from the faith, listening to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. So church, I want us to be very careful. This is the point at which the enemy wants to target and wants to hit. He wants to take us away from being with Jesus. Because if he can get us off being with Jesus, everything else is gone. Our journey in this process of being his disciples is broken. So don't let the enemy take you away from being with Jesus. He's going to come with his deceiving thoughts, with the pull of the world, the love of the world, uh, with the love of money, with all kinds of other things. But you got your mind, you know that it is so important for you to be with Jesus as his disciple. You know, Mary of, of Bethany is a great example in this. You know, there are two passages that we see about Mary. In Luke 10, we, uh, we read about Mary. Uh, you know, when, when, Jesus, uh, when Jesus came uh, to the house of uh, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, uh, 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 we read the story that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and uh, Martha was so busy serving. But Mary sat to listen to what Jesus had to say. She embraced Jesus as her teacher, and she wanted to hear his words. But we also have another interesting record of Mary in, in, um, in, in John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. This was just a few days before Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus once again visits the house of uh, Mary, uh, uh, um, Martha, and Lazarus. And in their home, in John 12, we see this time Mary comes. And she brings very costly perfume, and she anoints the feet of Jesus. This is the same Mary who sat at his feet listening to his word. Now she's at his feet worshiping him. You know, and I strongly believe that people who love the teachings of Jesus are also people who love to worship Jesus. Because they, they see so much value in his words. Uh, they have embraced him as their master. Nothing it's too expensive to pour out at his feet. Stay that way. Embrace uh, Jesus as your teacher and master. Be in his presence. Number two in the training process. I'm going to move a little quickly. Uh, we need to finish the rest of it. And number two is the training of his word. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, 
Uh, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Notice what Jesus said. You abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Or you're truly my disciples. Abide. That word abide means to dwell. It means to settle down. It, it, it means that you have, uh, you, you've taken up your place and you're going to stay in that place. So Jesus is saying, stay in my word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. That means when you're abiding in his word, your life comes out based on his word. Everything you say, everything you think, the way you behave, the choices you make, the decisions, your plans, your dreams, your aspirations, everything come out of his word. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then he says, you will know the truth. You know, hearing the truth does not automatically imply you know the truth. Many of us hear the truth, but we never come to the place of knowing the truth. To know simply means to embrace and have a personal experience with the word. So there are hearers of the word, and there are fewer knowers of the word. People who have personally experienced his word. How do you come to a place where you personally experience his word? Here's the bridge. He says, you abide in my word. You stay with my word. You stick with my word. And if you stick with his word, having heard it, then you come to knowing his word. That means that word has become a personal experience in your life. It's not just a sermon you heard someday, but it's part of you. And it's those people, Jesus said, who will experience the liberty that comes from the word, the transforming power that comes from the word, and that's what makes us his disciples. So I love God to train you by his word. You know, fill your life up with the word of God. Spend time reading it. Spend time listening to sermons from it. And then stick with that word. Stay with it. Say, I'm going to live by this. You know, there will be challenges. The enemy will try to, try to come and rob us of that word. Will come to attack us based on that word. But you stay with that word. And what will happen? You will know the truth. That word will become an experience. It will transform you into becoming a disciple of Jesus. Number three. I'm skipping a little bit here because I just for the sake of brevity. So I'm skipping some points. These things are in the sermon notes that you can get off our church website. I'm going to number three. Third part of this training process is a training of his Holy Spirit. The training of his spirit. And Jesus spoke to us about this in John the 14th chapter, verses 16 through 18 and in verse 26. Jesus said, you know, talking to his disciples, he says, guys, look, I'm going to go away. Talking about his resurrection ascension. He says, I'm going to go away, but I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. And he's going to be with you forever. And this helper, he says, the spirit of truth, truth in verse 17, uh, in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus is coming to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, the verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or on my behalf, he will teach you all things. So Jesus continues to be that teacher and master in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is another helper, the alos parakletos. Alos, the another, meaning another of the same kind. He's another helper, just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit represents or brings all of Jesus to us, to all of his disciples around the world. 
And so the Holy Spirit is going to teach us, He's going to train us, He's going to lead us, He's going to guide us, and He is transforming us and changing us, as 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 says, that we are changed by His Spirit into that same image. So we must receive the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, there is no limit to the work of the Spirit. In Ezekiel, the 47th chapter, verses 1 through 12, Ezekiel has a vision. He sees a river flowing out of the temple, and in that vision, he's asked to step into the river. So he comes into the river. He walks into the river. The, the water is ankle deep. But then he's asked to go on further. The water comes knee deep. Then he's asked to go on deeper. The water comes waist deep. Then he's asked to go on deeper to a point where he, can, he has to swim in the river. Now we know and we can prove from scripture that that river in the New Testament is the river of the Holy Spirit. We see this in John chapter 7 verses 37 to 39. It's a river of the Holy Spirit and you know it's flowing out of God's house, of God's temple. But you and I as believers we need to go on deeper into the river of the Spirit. You know the first three postures, ankle deep, knee deep or waist deep, you are still in control. Yes, you're experiencing some measure of the work of the Spirit, but you are still in control. You've got your feet on the riverbed and you're standing. But you need to go, you and I need to go on deeper in the work of the Spirit where now we are no longer in control. It's the Holy Spirit carrying us. The river is carrying your swimming. Of course, you and I have a part. God is not going to, you know, do away with our own will. We are, our will is there, but we have so abandoned ourselves in the flow of the river. The river is carrying us. We are no longer controlling what the river does for us. You know, I want to encourage you, go on deeper in the work of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit will transform us to become more and more like Jesus. So three elements of the training process, being with Jesus, being in His Word, opening our lives to the work of the Spirit. Last two, number four, training through fellowship. John 13, verses 13 to 14, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. So this is just before his crucifixion. Jesus wants to get a message across to his disciples. He gets down. He picks a towel, a basin of water, and he washes the feet of his disciples. And then he tells them, look, I am your teacher, I am your master. As disciples, you're, you're, you're being transformed to becoming like me. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to wash one another's feet, just as I have washed your feet. You know, and this is a very important part of our training into becoming like him. We must learn to wash one another's feet. Wash the feet of other's disciples. That means the wor washing the feet is symbolic. It's not just the act or a duty of washing, the physical washing. It's talking about us serving other disciples. That's what it means. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to serve other disciples. Now, obviously, that means that you've got to be a, with other disciples. So the Christian faith is not something you'll do in isolation. No, you've got to do it in fellowship. You've got to do it along with other disciples. 
other people who are on the same journey. You've got to be with them. And when you're with them, you also got to serve them. You also got to wash their feet. You got to humble yourself. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are in, uh, in life. You may be a very wealthy man, a highly educated man, a highly influential man, a highly, a very powerful person. Whatever your social standing is, doesn't matter. Jesus said, if he, as our master and teacher, washed the feet of other disciples, you get down, you wash somebody else's feet. You serve them. You, you do something to bless them. You do something to, you know, encourage them, wash their feet. And so this is the training of fellowship. You know, as we journey together with other disciples, as we serve other disciples, as we fellowship with one another, there are areas of our life that are impacted, changed. Pride is broken. Jealousy is broken. Competition is broken. The need for recognition is broken. The need for a place of prominence is broken. The, uh, you know, all those things are broken as we fellowship with other disciples and put ourselves in a place of washing the feet of disciples, not wanting a place of prominence and recognition. That's a true disciple. But until you give yourself to that place of saying, I'm here to wash somebody's feet, you will never move forward in your journey as a disciple. The, the, the training includes learning to fellowship, learning to serve other disciples. So embrace this training, fellowship with and serve other disciples. Number five, the last one is the training of the cross. Now, Jesus said many things about being his disciple, and we've covered several of them. This one is probably the most challenging. You know, if anybody wanted to draw a crowd, uh, they would promise disciples all the good things. You know, Jesus could have said, hey, come be my disciple. I will make you wealthy. I will give you a lot of money. Uh, I will make you famous. And of course, he could have gathered a crowd like that. But you, you and I have to read these statements of Jesus. In Luke, the 14th chapter, verses 25 to 33, this is not the kind of invitation anybody would have given who, who just intended to gather a crowd. No, this is very serious. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 14, 25 to 33. I want to read that entire passage because we need to know this is what Jesus said uh, is involved in being his disciple. It says in verse 25, now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, you would not want to speak to a crowd like this. I mean, if you want to gather a crowd, you want to have a big following, if you want to have a number of likes on your Facebook page or lots of thumbs up, whatever, on your Instagram account, I mean, you would not talk like this. Look what Jesus said. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to hate your closest loved ones, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your own life. got to hate it if you want to be my disciple. He continues, verse 27, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which one of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? 
or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Think about the statements Jesus is making. He's making it plain and simple. And he's telling people, in, other, in, in figurative language, he's simply saying, guys, you better count the cost before you make a decision to be my disciple. I mean, you sit down, think about it, make a deliberate choice if you want to be my disciple or not. Because I'm putting these three conditions or requirements before you. What are those three things here in this passage here? He says, number one, I want single-minded devotion. He says, as you read in verse 26 in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me, they don't hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I want single-minded devotion. Your love for Jesus must supersede all other earthly affections. That's a requirement, he said. You want to be my disciple, this is what it takes. Do you love me more than all your earthly relationships? Come be my disciple. Single-minded devotion. Secondly, he said, you got to carry a cross daily. The daily cross. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So he says, if you want to follow me, you got to carry a cross. He didn't say, if you want to follow me, look, I'll give you four angels to carry you. Two will carry your hands, two will carry your feet, and you can just sail through life. If you, choose, if you sign up to be my disciple. That's not what he said. He said, you sign up to be my disciple. You know what? You've got a cross to carry. And in Bible, and I'm just summarizing, in, in the New Testament, the cross represents four things. It represents a place of sacrifice. It represents a place of separation. It represents a place of suffering. And it represents a place of death. That's what the cross signifies in the New Testament. In other words, he's saying, you've got to let these things work in your life. There's a place of suffering for the cause of Christ. People are going to call you names. People are going to mock you. They may persecute you. May they, they may laugh at you. Are you willing to suffer for the cause of Christ? The cross represents a place of separation from the world. That you're separating yourself from the things, the affections of the world. And you're saying, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be consecrated. I'm going to live about the, the evil, the wickedness in this world. Are you willing to do that? Come be my disciple. Number three, the cross represents a place of sacrifice for the sake of Christ. You know, in your journey, God may call you to make sacrifices in order to carry out what He wants you to do for His kingdom. Are you willing to make those sacrifices? It's not going to be easy. Others are going to have some things that you've got to give up. Or you may need to take on some responsibilities that nobody else wants. Are you willing to make that sacrifice is what Jesus is saying. And lastly, the cross represents a place of death. The Bible tells us, you know, it's only when a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it will bear much fruit. Are you willing to die so that you can be fruitful for the kingdom of God? That's what he means. Take up your cross daily. You let these things work in you, in your life. So he says, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it's going to take. And then he said in Luke 14, 33, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Meaning you've got to lay down everything. You want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? God, I'll put everything down. I've got to be your master, the one who is in supreme authority in your life. So Jesus didn't make it, you know, a, a roller coaster, a, a bed of roses, so to speak, journey if, if you want to follow him. He said, look, 
This is what it takes. I'm stating it clearly. I'm making it plain. You think about it. Count the cost. Then you decide if you want to be my disciple. So I want to wrap this up. Jesus said, everybody who's perfectly trained will be like his master. You and I need to go through that training process in order to be a disciple, in order to become a, like our master. There are five elements in this training process that I quickly touched upon. That we can go into greater detail on each of these five. And I think I'd encourage you to explore the New Testament. But here are the five things Jesus mentions in the training process. Number one, the training of his presence. That means we've got to be with Jesus. Number two, the training of his word. That means we've got to live by his word. Number three, the training of his spirit. That means we've got to be yielded to his spirit. Number four, the training through fellowship. You've got to fellowship with and serve other disciples. And number five, the training of the cross. We've got to carry our cross daily. This is the training that he takes us through in our journey. You know, this, this doesn't happen in a day, not in a week, not in a year, but it's a journey we go through. And we say, Lord, I'm signing up for this. I'm willing to go through your training because I know everybody who's perfectly trained will come out like their master. And that's what I want. I want to be like my master. I want Jesus to be my teacher and my master. I want to take some time to pray before we close. Uh, we're going to pray, uh, first of all, in response to the message that we heard, the time we spent in the Word of God. Then I also want to pray for needs of people. I want to pray specifically today for deliverance, for people who are being tormented by evil spirits, oppressed by evil spirits. It could be spirits of infirmity that is affecting you in your physical body, or it could be spirits of torment that are affecting your mind, your emotions. Demons of insanity that have caused certain people to lose their mind. They're not in their right mind. Uh, today, as I pray from here, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to touch people like that. Uh, wherever they are, in your house, in your living room, wherever they may be, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to deliver such people. But first of all, I want to pray, lead us in prayer, in response to the word that we heard. We've heard, you know, what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. Right where you are, would you pray and say, Jesus, I'm signing up for this. I'm okay. I'm giving my yes. I'm giving my amen to your training process. I'm willing to go through this, Jesus. I'm willing to be trained in your presence. I'm willing to make the effort to be with you. I'm willing to be live. I'm willing to commit to living by your word. I'm willing to yield to the Holy Spirit and go on deeper in the spirit. I'm willing to serve other disciples, to fellowship and serve other disciples. And I'm willing to carry my cross. You know, for some of us, this is all familiar. We've been doing it. I want to encourage you, stay the course. Don't let the enemy take you out of your journey. Stay with it. Keep growing in it. For some of us, this may be new. You may have heard something like this for the very first time. And I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus and say, okay, God. I'm signing up. I want to be your disciple. I want to lead us in a prayer for that first. And then after that, we're going to pray for healings. We're going to pray for miracles, especially for deliverance in the lives of people right where you are watching. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. 
I thank you for everyone who's tuned in or watching different parts of our city and across the nation, perhaps in other nations as well. And for all those who would watch this sermon later on, Father, I pray that we will give our yes, our amen to your tra training process that transforms us to becoming like our master and teacher. That God, you will empower us by your grace to be with Jesus. To live by his words. To receive the work of the Holy Spirit. To fellowship and wash the feet, to serve other disciples. And to carry up a cross. That we will commit to that for the rest of of our lives. Through every season of our life, we'll stick with this training process so that we could be changed, that we could be perfectly trained to become like our master. Right where we are, we commit ourselves to this and we say yes. We sign up. We take it. We will journey by your grace. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray right now for those who are watching. You've commissioned us, Lord God, to heal the sick. You've commissioned us to cast out demons. You've commissioned us to destroy what the devil is doing. So I stand in the name of Jesus. I stand in the authority that you've given to us as your people. I come against every sickness, every disease. Right now, wherever you are, lay your hand on that part of your body. You want Jesus to heal. If you've got arthritis, arthritis has been affecting your body, put your hand on the joints wherever you're being hurt, where you're hurting most. Place your hand. May you want Jesus to touch you if, you, if at all possible. Look to Jesus. He is your healer. And so right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority over sickness, disease, and infirmity. I rebuke every spirit of infirmity. I rebuke spirit of pain. I rebuke spirits that are causing disorders and abnormalities in the bodies of people. I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be healed. Be made whole. Receive your healing. I also take authority of every spirit of oppression, of torment. Satan, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over the spirits of insanity. The spirits that have disturbed people's minds, that have put them into a state where they have lost their mind. You foul spirits, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. And I cast you out. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I command the minds of these people to be restored, to come back to normal. For them to regain their minds. To be restored in their minds. 
In the name of Jesus, be restored, be healed, be made whole. Holy Spirit, touch these people. Deliver them completely. Restore them. I break the yoke of cancer. Every spirit of cancer, I command you to leave. I command cancer to die at its roots. I command people to be raised up from their bed of illnesses and sicknesses. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, do this. We thank you. Thank you for doing this, Lord. You know, whether you feel anything or not right now, I want you to thank Jesus for your healing. I want you to thank Him that He is your healer. And then begin to check your body. Test your body. If you need to go to the doctor, get your body checked, do it. Because when God heals you, His healing will stand any test. And it's good to get tested by the doctor. So go ahead. As you recover, get yourself checked. Let the doctor certify that you've been healed by the power of God. And then share your testimony. Send an email to testimony at apcw.org. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what God has done in your life right where you are. Remember, we are here to help you. And once again, I just remind you that uh, you can reach us by our 800 number. Uh, you can send an email to membercare at apcw.org. If you need any help, you need people to pray with you. We are here to serve you. We are here to help you. So make sure that you reach out to us if uh, you need any help. Thank you so much. I'm going to close the service here uh, with the word of benediction like we normally do. And right where you are, I just want you to receive that. And, uh, uh, you know, write to us, share, uh, share your thoughts with us, leave your comments uh, where, where, you know, where you've been watching. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let's just close. Let's receive uh, the benediction. Father, we give you thanks for this time in your presence. And let the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit cover each of us wherever we are. And let us stay strong, stay encouraged, and keep advancing. Father, I pray especially for those whose economic conditions may be affected in some way or another because of what's happening globally. Father, we pray you will send divine intervention into their lives so that finances will not be a problem, whether personally or in their businesses. Send divine intervention, O oh God. And Lord, together as a church, as a people of God, we stand together knowing that you've put all things under his feet. We are part of his body. And we declare coronavirus is under our feet. We declare this pandemic is under our feet. And so we command it to cease. We command it to stop. We can command its power to be broken and its influence globally to be withdrawn. We, the church, the body of Christ, declare the power of coronavirus broken over the nations. We declare its power to recede, to be withdrawn, and we declare the nations to be free. In the name of Jesus Christ, we the church declare it, and so it will be. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources including sermons, sermon notes, TV programs, publications, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcwo.org/biblecollege. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play stores.